0: John 17, verse 18, it says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And we're talking about Christ, and we're talking about Christ being sent. And I, I think this is one of the key words here that is so important for us. God sent Christ into the world. So therefore he sends us into the world. And the word sent, like I said, it's a key word here, it's used twice. In the Greek, it means apostello. Now, anytime we hear the word apostello or, you know, it kind of relates to apostle and that's exactly what it is. You think of apostle, apostle is somebody who was sent. We think of uh, the 12 disciples, they were apostles. We think of John as an apostle and we put them on an upper level above us, right? These people were sent, yet Christ says he sent us into the world, right? So what does that make you? See my point? There's no tears in heaven. These people aren't better than us or anything like that. They are apostles because they have studied the word of God. You can study the word of God. They are apostles because they were sent out into the world. You are being sent out into this world to represent God. You can be an apostle also. Now, it means to be sent. It's a really cool word. So Jesus was a model for us. As you have sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. God sent his son. In Galatians 4, Paul explains this more fully. But when a set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, a Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So a couple of things here. First off, I see the the Father's perfect timing. Jesus came. His time had fully come. And this is something we should really think about a little bit more and start really kind of believing in, because God really does have perfect timing. I, you know, I spent a lot of my life and, you know, walking with the Lord and having a relationship with the Lord, giving my life over, saying, okay, you are the Lord of my life. And then I tug with the Lord back and forth on that at different times in my life, right? Where I want to be in control. When I'm in control, I kind of screw it up. Anybody else in the same boat? You see what I'm saying? We all screw it up. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we go toward God. But God has a lot of perfect timing. And, you know, I like to tell God what to do and when to do it. And I like to call it prayer, you know. And God kind of slaps me around a little bit. And I found out it rarely works when I do it like this, especially when I tell him how to do it and when to do it. And I used to think it was because I was, I was saying the wrong thing or, or, or praying the wrong way or, or not really getting my point across or my prayers weren't, you know, long enough. I had the wrong formula, but in reality is I need to figure out my role within his desires for my life. You see the point? He has certain desires for our life, and if our desires are contrary to that, He's not gonna answer our prayers if my prayer goes against what He wants for my life. In the fullness of time, or the completeness of time. Go ahead. There's a silver car with a trunk open outside. If you have a silver car. How about we do this? Brandon go outside to the silver car and shut the trunk. It's at the end of the parking lot, Brandon, just go look. Don't get arrested. <laughs> oh. I'm sure something else can happen this morning, right? Okay. Well, in the fullness of time or the completeness of time, God acts, and he does it on his timetable, not ours. My timetable and his timetable are two different things, and it's very frustrating. And you would think that, that being a pastor, I would have a different pipeline to God, you know. You know, maybe I had a special password or something like that, but that's not the way It is. You would think that God would give me, you know, do things on my timing. You know, that's the least that he could do, especially since all I've done for him, right? Wrong. The reality is that the more I get to know him, the more I stop trying to tell God what to do. And the more I try to plug into what he's trying to get me to do. But you know that he is also very active. Even right now, as we speak, I cannot keep up with him. The problem is usually he is active in the things that I've, you know, that I'm not really thinking about because I got my mind on all these other worries, and this is because he's God, and he is a wonderful, wonderful dad. In the perfect timing, God's perfect timing, he sent his son And Jesus reminded Nicodemus when he was talking to him that he was the one and only son of God, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? Well, you go back and you think about Genesis from the beginning of time and so forth. Sin entered the world, and God set up certain rules saying, if you want a relationship with me, you have to follow these rules. And these rules led to us trying to be perfect. Anybody perfect out there? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people try to be perfect out there, right? You know, we found out that we couldn't do that. So Jesus came and died for our sins to cover those sins so we don't have to be perfect, but God still sees us as perfect, which is really weird because we know we're not perfect. But God sees us differently because of what Jesus did. Jesus came with an assignment. He came with a mission in mind. He came with a goal, and his goal was, according to Paul, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoptions as sons. So he came to redeem us. What does the word redeem mean? It means to buy back, to purchase, okay? Or even to pay a ransom. In other words, we were going to hell, and if we believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins, he rose from the grave, and he's the only son of God, then our sins are paid for, we're ransomed back. So he came to redeem us, or to pay a price. There was someone that we now understand as the enemy of our soul who felt like he owned us. And the scriptures are very clear. In fact, I was driving uh, to, to church today, and Brandon and I were having a conversation about Lucifer and Satan and, and uh, you know, being one and the same person, okay? Uh, you know, we can call him uh, the evil persona. We call him the devil. We call him Satan. We call him Lucifer. He was the one who, who arranged and led the worship and the adoration of God, and he wanted it for himself. So he rebelled against God, and about a third of the angels fell with him. We say, "fell" because they went away from God and God cast them out. This is the, the one who, who owns us, in a sense, because of our sin. And he thought he had the whole thing sewed up and he thought that, that we were his slaves for eternity, that we were bold holding to him because he thought that since we have fallen, since we have sin, we've eaten from the tree, you know, the, the, the sinful tree, in a sense. So God said, but wait, I have something to trump that. I have something to to overtake that. And that was sending his only son to die for our sins. And he himself comes to redeem us. So the one who formerly thought that he owned us or controlled us or to keep us his slaves was defeated. And that is why Jesus came. Now, this is why Christians are happier than most people. And if you go and you listen to the studies, guess what? They say that Christians are happier. Doesn't mean we have more money. Don't we all wish we had more money? Yeah, every one of us could. I could use a few more dollars, right? You could use a few more dollars. We all could. Okay, Rob's back there going a few hundred more dollars, you know, not just a few more dollars. A few thousand. Okay, let's ramp it up, you know. <laughs> but we're happier because we know in the end where we are going, and that is to be with God. We can have a difficult time on this earth, but still make it through those difficult times because in the end we know what matters, and that is that Jesus died for our sins and we get to spend eternity with God. See, our happiness is not based on our circumstance. For some reason, people think Christians have easy lives. A blue bird on my shoulder type of day for those older folks, uh, you know. But, you know, that, that Christians, we don't live in the real world. We live in a church world, you know. We need to understand that we experience real pain. We experience trauma in our lives. We experience difficult times in our lives. And we have a choice. We can either dwell on those negative things or we can look toward the eternity with God. God. See, the reality is we can still act like Christians during difficult times. You're sitting amongst people who have gone through tough times, some amazing and some awful times, and yet we are still here. And we're not just surviving. We're going beyond survival. We're, we're going into success, and success is that it's a heavenly success, not an earthly success. A success of of being who God created me to be. We need to be excited about this. Are you excited to figure out what God has created you to be? That's what we need to be excited about. How old were, were you before you figured this out? Some of us, it was for, you know, we were children and we figured it out. Some of us, it was teenagers. Some of us, it was in an adulthood. And that is okay, either one of those. But God has created us for himself. And according to the Apostle Paul, he adopted us. It says here that that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into the hearts, and the spirit he calls out, Abba, Father. We are not just possessions on a shelf. We are not a trophy wife. Our trophy husband. He didn't redeem us out of this competitive nature between him and Satan. He redeemed us for one reason and one reason only, because he loves us. God loves us. His love is so amazing. Why? Well, the reality is that he, you know, <laughs> I know some of us aren't so lovable as much, right? You know, okay, I'm not talking about me. I'm always lovable, right? Yeah. Some of us can come across pretty, you know, non-lovable sometimes. And I'm sorry to tell you, but sometimes we're not. But God has always loved us. He can be in fellowship with us even though we're breaking his heart. He is a father wanting to adopt a child. Now, I understand that. My youngest one that was back there talking during worship... He was not very lovable at that time because I don't know how. Wait, each week we talk to him about that. Yeah, you know. But I've adopted him. My wife and I have adopted him, and he is our child. We love him even though he irritates us sometimes, right? Same way with God. He's coming to understand the whole adoption thing because his biological father, which he knows and has met and and we we hang out with every now and then and all that, but his biological father uh, got married about a year ago. His wife is now pregnant. So the whole idea of adoption is kind of, he he gets it, but he doesn't get it from the standpoint of, he asks the question, so is their baby gonna come live with us? That's a great intuitive question for his age. And so we, we talk about how no, at the time, they needed somebody to take care of him. You know, being a little baby, they weren't ready for that. Now they're ready, you know, and all those things and stuff. So, And then the next thing, you know, he, you know he's talking about something else. So he's not dwelling on it, but it's a good thing. So he's also a Christian, my son. He accepted the Lord. That's a great and wonderful thing. When he gets a little older, we'll baptize him because I really want him to understand what baptism is about before we, uh, you know, do the baptism, okay? Uh, And and baptism represents, you know, us dying for our sins, going under the water, death, right? Can't breathe under the water. Being raised from the grave, okay? That's the concept of, you know, and it's us professing our faith that we're following God. That's what baptism is about. So, my son has been adopted twice now, once by me and once by God. He is now part of the family. God, you know, he is God's child. The word adoption is such a biblical concept that, you know, sometimes the most of us just read over it and just move right on. But those of us who've been around adopted children, you understand more about what it's about. Somebody needed a parent, right? Somebody needed a daddy or a mommy or, or a family. And there's an intense need there sometimes. Some of you might have heard me talk about my cousins, a very unique family. This is not how all families are, but my uncle has a whole bunch of adopted children. I mean, they're from all over the world. It's crazy. They also have four of their own. He's 82 years old and the youngest is like 26 years of age. Okay. Anytime I cook ribs, I think of my uncle. Because every time we went up to Oklahoma, he would cook ribs and I'd run around with all the crazy cousins, right? So anytime I hear the word adoption, I always thought of my extended family. I always thought of that understanding, the need that they had, and and then I adopted my little one and my perspective shifted a little. But what amazes me is this. When you adopt someone, they instantly become family is that, you know, um, it wasn't like I said to my cousins, well, you can't be family because you're from Vietnam. You can't be family because you're from the Philippines or you're from Guatemala or you're Korean or Romanian or any other nationality that was there. No, they were family. And this is how it is with the Lord. The Lord sent a son so he could die for our sins so we could be adopted and we're accepted as family. That's an amazing thing. And for us to be sanctified so we can be a part of that family. When you hear the word adoption, you think of meeting a child for the first time and starting a relationship with someone who needed something. And this is exactly what our Heavenly Father did for us. Being adopted is something we all should be able to relate to because that's exactly what He did. And we are a part of His family, and nothing can change that. It's now the law. And this is what Paul was talking about in Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of, under a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we may receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, and you can put the word daughter in there, okay? It wasn't just talking about men. But God sent his spirit of his son into our heart, and the spirit calls out, Abba, Father. I love that, because I don't always call out Abba, Father. You know what I mean? I get so busy, sometimes I ignore the God. (gasps) Pastor, can you say that? Well, yeah. I'm just like you. Sometimes we get busy and we ignore God. But the spirit within us calls out Abba, Father, and has that desire and pushes us toward God. And what happens here is the Father came to us and we begin to understand because the Spirit cries out to God, and we begin to think of him as our Father. And this is one of the most confusing things for a person who is not a Christian. How can a Christian feel so close to God? It's because God included us. We didn't talk God into it. We certainly didn't earn it. We didn't pay We just said, okay, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe your spirit can envelop and overtake me. Of all the things the Father could have given us, he gave us his Son. That's an amazing thing. And John 17, he says in verse 6, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Once something is revealed, Once something is out there, it can be recognized. We know his name, we know what he was about, we know the nature, we know about all these things. Why? Because his spirit is within us. Now all we have to do is start listening to that spirit and learning from it. You know, it's one thing to to learn stuff in our heads, right? It's, extre- you know, it's, it's entirely something different to know it enough that it makes it into our hearts. It makes it into to us putting actions into life. Jesus has said, I revealed everything about you to them. I've given uh, them their freedom. And, you know, we we like to celebrate freedom in this country, fireworks and family and, and friends and barbecues and all that kind of stuff. But as a Christian, we have a better understanding and a bigger understanding of what true freedom is. The freedom from spiritual bondage, from the sin that takes over our lives, from past things that we've done that we're ashamed of. Guess what? We don't have to own that anymore because Jesus can clear that out of our lives where we don't even think about it anymore. How about from things that have been done to us? Yeah, we can release those also. True freedom is being able to release those things and, and be about love again. Not about the terrible things that have happened, but be about love again. To have the ability to move on with your life is so important. Because we like to drag around anchors. We like to drag around the past and we have to let it go. That is true freedom, freedom that he gave us. This is why in verse 26 of chapter 17, he said, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Now what, you know, what is interesting about that is he didn't just make it known for 33 years. He didn't come down here and live for 33 years or so, and he didn't, uh, he says that he will continue. That means he's still making God known to this world. How? How is Christ still making God known to this world? Well, he died, he raised from the dead, and he put a spirit in us. That is how he's still making it. You represent God to this world. You're making God known to this world by your actions and your attitudes. So let's make sure we're representing God well by our actions and our attitudes, right? Yeah. Sometimes we do that well, sometimes not so well. But it's not just uh, us alone. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't do this alone. And we need to understand the reason for our happiness, the reason why we can release the negative things in our past it's because he gave us something. His spirit, a part of the living God, is in us. And we have a choice to shove it down into the basement. You know, the big toe. Okay? We have a choice to shove it down and, and not ever let it be seen unless you wear flip-flops like me. Okay? We have that choice. Or we can bring it out for everyone to see. We can bring it to the forefront and that's the freedom we have. Jesus Christ looked all through the generations and said, I'm going to reveal the Father to them in 2023 through these people, and that includes you. It's so important for us to study the life of Christ because he reveals the Father to us. He reveals God to us, the goodness of God and the greatness of God. It's revealed to us through Jesus in a spirit that he freely gave us, and all we have to do is respond to it. Because there's a tugging inside of us that wants to respond, that wants to understand who the Father is. What happens when we start to realize who the Father really is? We start to feel a little more secure, right? We start to feel a little more relaxed. We start, you know, feeling a little more taken care of. The last thing I want my adopted son to think about is, will they ever give me up, right? You've adopted me. Are you always going to be there? Are you going to give me up? I don't want my son thinking things like that, right? I want him to feel secure, like we're going to take care of him the rest of his life, because that's what we're doing. He is family, right? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to feel taken care of and secure. Do you know who our dad is? Our dad is the creator of the universe, Our dad is a provider of life. Our dad is a sustainer. Our dad is a giver of good gifts. And we used to be afraid of him. And then Jesus came and said, You know all those laws? You don't have to worry about them laws because I've taken care of them. He did just that. He died to cleanse us, to pay the price, the ransom so that he could not only be our dad, but that we could be around him because we no longer have the stain of of sin on our life. You know, the stain of sin prevents a lot of things. No No matter how much we understand that he cleansed us from sin, for some reason we do not feel worthy enough because we're not as mature of Christ. And then the more we learn about what he did for our lives, we start to understand a little bit more. And slowly over time, the more time we spend with Christ, we start to see that he is a creator that wants to be around us. And he doesn't see the sin, he sees the person. It's nice to be seen, right? Don't you hate it when a person ignores you? I mean, completely ignores you. You're like, well, thanks. You know, it's good to be seen. God sees you. God sees you. And he wants to have a deeper relationship with you. That's important. And we have the choice to respond or not. Hmm. Well, let's pray as Tyler and the worship team leads us in one last song. Lord, we thank you for your life. We thank you that you gave it so that we might have life, that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, sometimes we understand that relationship when we wrap our heads around it, and other times we don't at all. We ask, why would you even come to save me? Yet you have a desire to change us, to change us into people who represent you and represent you well, that we can feel cleansed, that we can feel the need that you have to, to, to have that relationship with us. That we don't have to be ashamed of what we've done. We don't have to be ashamed of maybe of what's been done to us. Because we can release all of that because you've cleansed us. You've made us white as snow. You've made us sinless. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may you be blessed this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.